If you were able to be with us on Thursday night for our uh, service of installation, you will have heard a little bit of the journey that we have been on to call the Reverend Gareth McLean as our new minister and uh, how the Lord led us in that and also something of how the Lord led Gareth to accept that call from the God who interrupts. And if you were here on the last Sunday in June last year, you'll remember that Ken McBride, our former minister, gave me this baton to hand on to the new minister. And that's what we're going to do this morning. And it says on this, uh, a verse from Philippians 3:14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I can only speak for me, I can't speak for any of you, but I am looking forward to working alongside Gareth and pressing on towards the goal that Christ has called us to. And if you feel that way as well, if you're excited about the future, if you're enthusiastic about what the Lord is going to do in this place, maybe you would join with me now in a round of applause as we welcome Gareth to his pulpit. the baton as well. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Listen, when I'm getting set up here, um, I was chatting to somebody on Thursday night who belongs to Orangefield. Uh, they told me their name. Well, a lot of people told me their name. And I said, to them, listen, you're going to have to tell me that a few times because it'll take a while to stick. And he said to me, do you know what, actually, if you could get everyone to wear name badges, because I don't know everybody's name either. So let's just assume that, and why don't you turn to somebody in front of you or behind you and say, good morning, even if you know them, I'm really glad you're here, my name is, just in case they've forgotten it, and it takes the awkwardness out of the conversation. Do it, turn around, talk to each other. (coughs) Okay, that's enough, don't get carried away now, come on, back up here. (laughs) There's lots of time for those conversations over the picnic. Hopefully you met somebody new there. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, I I love the fact that that, that Ken has passed this to Ruth, who has kept it in such good stewardship and and then has given it to me because it's kind of a sign of transition, isn't it? Of, Of moving from one thing to another. And my life at the minute has been nothing but transition. My life for the past four weeks has been from Balamoney to Africa, to Balamoney to Belfast, to France, to Belfast. I've literally slept in 20 different places in the last four weeks. It's, it's incredible. So it is. People keep telling me their names. And then I was out for a walk yesterday, walking just down the, the Trim Trail Greenway thing that's, that's over there. And people were walking past me. And I was looking at them going, do I know you? Have you told me your name yet? <laughs> I'm just all over the place. Um, I, I go up the stairs in the manse and I'm turning left. and going, Actually, no, my bedroom's over here on the right. Uh, I'm opening the cupboard to get the coffee cups. I'm finding dog poo bags. It's, we came back from France and my little daughter, Lily, the one with the curly hair, um, she, we were landing in Belfast on the airplane and she said, Daddy, I'm so tired. I'm so looking forward to getting home to Balamoney. I'm like, honey, we don't live there anymore. She's like, oh yes, I forgot. 
Our, our, our life has just been transition for the past four weeks, and it's so nice to be settled and starting to discover what normal is. I, I will get to the reading in a second. Don't panic, Jim. <laughs> um, when I've been in the midst of all this praying about what God wanted me to speak on on my first Sunday, he, he drew me to this passage in Joshua chapter 1. It's a really famous passage. It's a passage of Scripture that has been prophesied over me in different moments in my life. Um, and people have had a real burning sense of this for me and, and spoken it and prayed it over me. And as I've come into Orangefield, as I've sat and drank coffee with Ken, uh, as I've met with Ruth, as Gary and I have hung out, as I've got to know some of you, it's this passage that again and again keeps just resonating with my soul. And so this morning, I, I want us to read from it and just to reflect a little bit on it, because it's a passage about transition. It's a passage where, where the baton that Moses has carried for so long is passed on to this new young leader, Joshua. It's a passage of the change in leadership of the Hebrew people at this really crucial time in history. And I imagine Joshua standing there with this baton, looking out at this sea of God's people, thinking, what have I got myself into? And I can imagine him listening to the whispers of expectation that are rippling amongst the Hebrew people at that time and thinking, how can I ever live up to those expectations? And then I, I imagine Joshua standing, thinking about his predecessor Moses, this, this giant of faith, and thinking, how can I ever fill those shoes? I can't imagine how Joshua felt. I don't know, but... <sighs> but you know what, guys? God is so good. He is so kind that he comes alongside Joshua in this moment, in this place of transition, this place of movement from one leader to the next. And he says to him, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Have you noticed how, how the Holy Spirit often whispers into the place of fear in our lives? And says, I am with you. He says to the, the girl who's struggling with anorexia, you are beautiful because I made you. He says to the single mom who's, who's, who's struggling to make financial things come together for her family, I've got this. I know how your heart's breaking. It says to the, the adult who's sitting at the hospital bed of a sick parent, I'm with you. And he's been whispering to me over this journey, I am with you. He's so kind, isn't he? He's so good. Let's read these words from Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to set this down. I don't want to drop it. I'm going to set it down. Listen now for God's word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. 
I will give you, listen to this, I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will expand from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officials of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will come to the Jordan. You will cross the Jordan. Here, to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. Let's pray for a moment and then we're going to just reflect on a few things from God's Word. Father, your Word is dangerous and it is alive and it is not like any other book because these are your words. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit and take these words and may they resonate deep within our bones. May we hear your voice whispering to us. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. For I am with you, Lord. We, we look for you this morning with expectation. And we wait before you. Speak and give us ears to hear. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, poor Joshua, daunted, transitioning in leadership, you know, all of this expectation upon him And there's a few things that God does just to to strengthen him and to strengthen the community of Israel. And I think these words are really timely for us as a congregation. The first thing God does is he gives Joshua a glimpse of the vision. Can we throw the next slide up? Is there another one? That's the one there. Isn't that a lovely picture? I took that photograph. So I did, yeah. Uh, and when we were in France, I was out running one morning. I used to get up in the morning before the kids got up, before it got too hot, and go for a run. We were staying in the, the Dordogne area of France, this beautiful kind of rolling hills and vineyards. It looks really idyllic. 
So until you go for a run there, because what they don't tell you, it's a magical place where every hill goes up and never ever comes down. It's crazy. I, I went for a run, I did a loop, and I promise you I was running uphill the whole way. It was terrible. But got to the top of, of this hill and noticed this little guy, a little slug, just inching, inching, inching. I think God sent him to say, this is what you look like running. So he did, inching along the road. And uh, I, I want to say I stopped to take a beautiful photograph. I stopped to avoid having a coronary attack. I was awful. Uh, <gasps> I guess. But I, I thought, that's a cracking photograph. And I stopped and I, bent, I took a photograph of this wee guy. Because it made me think, he is slogging his guts out. He's working so hard just to inch forward, to inch forward, to inch forward. And what he doesn't see is that if he just lifts his little slug head up a little bit. The slugs have heads, they do, don't they? Lifts his little slug head up a little bit. He'll see this beautiful countryside, this gorgeous sunrise, these trees of green and uh, red roses too. And I'll I'll burst into song in a second. (laughs) But he's so consumed in in the task that he's doing, he misses the bigger picture. He doesn't see what I see. And what I see is so beautiful. All he sees is an inch of tarmac in front of him. But but the rest of it is so beautiful. And I imagine that, that Joshua perhaps feels a little bit like this slug. Just overwhelmed, inching forward, wondering how he's going to do all the things that he has to do. And, and God, who's so kind, Let me just reinforce that. He's the father. He's so good. God brings Joshua to the side and and he says to him, look to the north, to the deserts of Lebanon, further than your eyes can see from this point. Look to the east, to the great Euphrates River. Look to the south, to, to Palestine, to the Hittite country where they came from. Look to the west, to the Mediterranean Sea. This land that you can't even see the edge of its borders, this land that I'm going to give you, it's the same land that I promised I would give to Moses. And he brought the people towards it. It's the same land that I promised to to Joseph. It's the same land that I promised to, to Jacob and to Isaac. And 400 years before you stood in this place, it's the same piece of land that I promised to give to Abraham when he started this journey off. You're daunted, God says to him, by the size of the task you think you have to undertake. The bigger picture is this isn't your story, Joshua. This is my story, God says. I started this 400 years ago with your ancestor Abraham. And every leader, every person in this community has played their part in bringing things forward. But it's my story. And now under your leadership, you get to have the privilege of bringing it to the fulfillment where you inherit the land. God reminds him, this isn't your story. This is my story that I'm inviting you to be part of. So often we use language around church and in Christian circles about inviting God into our lives and inviting God into our story. And I think that's okay to a point, but what we need to remember is what the Bible tells us is that God meets with a group of people and with individuals and says, come be part of what I'm doing. 
And I promise you what God is doing is way more exciting than what I'm going to do or what you're going to do. And you definitely, definitely want to be part of what God is doing. In the, I think it was the 1930s, Belfast was expanding. You know, there was nothing kind of beyond this point. And some people in McQuiston Church down the road had a vision to plant Orangefield. Am I right in saying that? They had a vision to plant this church. Because they recognized that as the city grew, they needed churches in certain places and, and people in certain places who could bring Jesus to the city. And so visionaries, 80 plus years ago, saw the need to plant this church. So it could be a place where, where Christians could be equipped to love a city into life. So it could be a place that could create authentic Christian community in, in the midst of areas of dense housing and population so that elderly people wouldn't have to be lonely. So that people with disabilities wouldn't have to feel isolation. So that uh, people who are struggling uh, wouldn't have to do it on their own but could connect and could journey with people who would love them authentically and help them discover Jesus on the journey. This church was planted to bring light into the darkness of, of Northern Ireland and Belfast in, in the midst of uncertainty in Europe after one war and before a second war. There's still uncertainty in Europe. And we're still here. To bring light into the darkness of people who are struggling with addiction, who are battling depression, who are, who are waiting through poverty. This was planted to be a place of hope, a place of life, a place where God's kingdom could advance from. A place to bring Jesus. Death defying, dead raising, sickness healing, love releasing, kingdom unfolding Jesus to the lost and to the lonely and to the people of this city. You see, it's only a little bit about us. It's really about out there. And over 80 plus years, there's been transitions in leadership. And now a baton has been passed on to myself and the current leadership here. There's been changes in the buildings, changes in styles, changes in methodologies and music and ideas. But the vision's still the same. The vision is still Jesus. Jesus for the city. Jesus for Clarewood, Jesus for Clondoff, Jesus for Orby, Jesus for Grosvenor, Jesus for the people. This is his story. This is his church. And he says to me, perhaps most recently, he says to you at different times in your life, and I want to give you the opportunity to refresh your commitment to it today. He says, come be part of my story. Come be part of my mission. Come, and in the power of my Holy Spirit, let's love this city into life. And Joshua is standing, having been reminded of the vision, being reminded of the story. And God says to him, you need to do a couple of things here. 
You need to have a confidence in my word. You're about to step into a, a hostile land. Yeah, I'm going to give you this land, but you have to also step into it and take it. See, my God wants to work through you to lead people to faith and to work miracles, but you have to step out in faith. You have to have courage. Be strong and courageous. He holds it out for you. You have to take it. He says to Joshua, you're going to step into a hostile land, a land full of the ites. You know who the ites are? The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Persites, the Ammonites, Amorites, all, all the ites that we kind of gloss over as we read through the Bible. Yeah? They're there. All these different people with different gods and different ideas about their gods, different ideologies, different philosophies, different theologies, different morals, different ethics, all wanting different things out of life, all having different priorities in life. God says to Joshua, you're going to lead my people into this land. And it's so important that you stay true to me. It's so important that you stay true to me because everybody's going to say, yeah, do you know what, what do you think isn't quite right? And they're going to try to influence you. They're going to try and shape what you think, trying to compromise what you think. And God says to Joshua, you need to have a confidence in my word. Do not let this book of the law depart from your lips, but meditate on it day and night. Keep it in your heart. Keep it in your mind. Live by it. Now, what God is talking about there is the Pentateuch, the, the first five books of the, the Bible that Moses has, has put together and has handed on to Joshua. For us, we talk about not just the first five books, but the whole of the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, as the Word of God. One of the promises I made here on Thursday night was that I believe that the Bible as found in the Old and New Testament is the only infallible rule of life and faith, that it is God's word for us to live by. And I'm here today because I believe that 100%. And that's what God was saying to Joshua. As you go into this land full of all these different people with different ideas and different beliefs, you need to know that there is one God in heaven and his word reveals who he is. I think we live in a really similar time. I have friends who tell me they don't believe in God. Sometimes that's been an intellectual choice. Other times it's been a result of circumstance and they've been through some really difficult things and they've just drifted away. They tell me they don't believe in God. I have other friends who, who tell me they do believe in God, but when I look at their lifestyle and, and their priorities and their values, it, it just doesn't seem to, to marry up with Jesus. And I say to them, tell me, you believe in God. Tell me about the God you believe in. Who is he? And they start to describe a God who is either a distant deity, totally uninvolved in life, or a God who is just like a sugar daddy in the sky who's there to wave his Harry Potter wand and grant your every wish. 
And as they talk, I'm thinking to myself, that's not the God I believe in. That's not the God the Bible tells us about. There's a French philosopher, a guy called Voltaire, and he says famously, God made mankind in his image. And mankind, being a gentleman, returned the favor. I think a lot of the time we, we try and create God in the image we want him to be to suit our lives. Anne Lamont says, if you find out that God hates all the same people you do, you've probably invented him. God says to Joshua, just like he says to us, we need to keep the Bible front and center in our lives. Not just because we're Presbyterian and we like good doctrine. Of course, that's part of the reason. But because this book is not like any other book. This book is self-revelation. This is God breathed. This is God revealing himself to us. This is God showing us and telling us who he is and what he is like. And as soon as you start to leave bits out that you don't like or don't fit with your, your own ideas about life, you ever played Jenga with your kids? You pull a block out here and a block out there. All of a sudden, you don't have a Jenga tower anymore. You have nothing but a pile of rubble. As soon as you start to say, well, I don't like that bit. I'll just take that bit out. I don't like that bit. about." You don't lose bits of God. You lose God. Guys, in the world we live in that is multi-faith and multicultural and often increasingly hostile to Christianity, we need to know who God is. Not some idea that we think we might like, but who God is. Because our God is real and our God is powerful and our God can change lives and will change history. The other thing the Bible does, it reveals God's agenda, his manifesto if you like. It shows us the gospel. It shows us how, how broken and sinful we are. We don't even need the Bible. We just need to look in the mirror and we see our inadequacies. But right in the center of this story is, is, is a God who comes to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ who, who gave his life and died on a cross. And took your inadequacies and your brokenness and took mine and died in our place so that we can know forgiveness, so we can know life, so we can know heaven and eternal life. This Bible, this book doesn't just reveal who God is and what he's like. It also shows us what he wants to do in your life and in my life. And it starts with forgiveness. It's so important. It's so important. When you step out the door into work tomorrow, people are going to tell you this is relative truth. That's true for you, but it's not true for me. I, I can believe whatever I want. Guys, don't believe that. This is absolute truth. This is true whether people believe it or not. This is true whether people like it or not. And as we, we go out these doors and we engage with lawyers and librarians and those in the LGBTQ plus community, as we uh, are playing five-a-side football or buying fish fingers from the girl in Tesco's, 
as we're working with children or with communities or with charities or with churches. We need to have the confidence that the God that we see in the Bible, the God that came to us in Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. And that other people need to know this because if they don't know this, they are perishing. If they don't know the one who said, I have come to give you life in all its fullness, they're dying. The final thing that Joshua and God talked about that day. This is God's story. You need to have confidence in my word, he says. The final thing is you need to have an assurance of my presence. I will be with you. I will be with you. When we were in France, um, it was warm, nearly as warm as it is up here on the stage. Gary, you weren't joking, were you? <laughs> It was in France. It was it was mid thirties, and and there was a couple of ways I knew that. One was, guys, any of you post forty, have you noticed how your body's changing? Have you? Have you noticed how you sweat in different places that when you're twenties you didn't sweat out of? I've suddenly started to discover sweat patches coming here, uh, which never used to be there before. Uh, my wife tells me it's moob sweat. Have you heard of that? Uh, ask somebody else about it. I don't want to tell you about it. Uh, but, but that's not the reason I knew it was mid-30s because in the house in France we were staying in, there was a thermometer on the wall. And when things got really hot, you could look at the thermometer and it said 32, 33. It, it, it showed you what the temperature was. And it's different than back home here in Northern Ireland because we don't have thermometers in our houses. What do we have in our houses? Thermostats. Said boilers. <laughs> thermostats. And a thermostat's different because a thermostat allows you to set the temperature and control the temperature, whereas a thermometer simply reflects what the temperature actually is. And as I look around churches and I move amongst other Christians, I think all too often we exist like thermometers. We walk into church and we're on fire for Jesus because we, we, we reflect the temperature of the room, the spiritual temperature of the room. But then we, we go out with our mates and the conversation's different and we're that little bit less on fire for Jesus because we re- simply reflect the spiritual temperature in the room. And then we go to work with people who aren't Christians and don't go to church and actually are are, are pretty hostile in their ideas about Christianity. And we clam up. And we stay quiet. We just go with the flow. And spiritually we reflect the temperature in the room. What God's saying to Joshua is, is when you go into this new land, don't be a thermometer. Don't just reflect the spiritual climate that other people are reflecting on you. He's saying, be a thermostat. Be a thermostat. He says, do not be afraid. I am with you. The, the God who put planets into space and sustains them in orbit. The God who, who dreamed up butterflies and painted them. The God who made mountains and valleys and oceans and currents. The God who gives you that sensation when you go to the beach and take your shoes off and stand in the sand as the water comes in. 
around your toes. The God who, who spoke all of those things into existence says, I am with you. And he allows his spirit to dwell in you if you are a Christ follower, if you're a Christian. And he says to Joshua, as you go into this new land, I am with you. And allow my spirit in you to allow your presence to set the spiritual climate of wherever you may be. Don't go in and be the same as everybody else. Walk into the room and allow your presence filled with the Holy Spirit to set the temperature in that room. Guys, what would it look like if you walked out these doors and around your, your Sunday dinner table remembered that you are full of the Holy Spirit and allowed Him to determine your conversation? What would it look like when you guys go back to university and you're sitting in your kitchen and your mates are, are doing shots and talking about what girl they slept with at the weekend that you didn't just reflect that conversation but you remembered that you are full of the Holy Spirit and you began to change the conversation and the temperature in the room. You are carriers of God's kingdom wherever you go. You are full of His Holy Spirit, not just when you're in here and things feel easy, but when you step into work tomorrow. And when you grasp that, and when you remember that, you can claim for yourself this promise that God makes to Joshua when He says, every place you put your foot, I will give you. What would it look like to walk into work tomorrow and say, I claim this place in Jesus' name? What would it look to walk in to the hospital bed to visit that friend who's sick and say, I claim this place in Jesus' name? What would it look like not simply to be filled with his Holy Spirit today as we sing and as we worship and as we reflect on his word? What would it look like on a Monday morning to say, God, fill me with your Spirit so everywhere I put my foot, you give me in Jesus' name. That was the promise to Joshua at this transitional moment in a new beginning. And I believe, I believe deep in my bones that's his promise to you and to me today as the people of Orangefield Presbyterian Church. So as we bring our teaching to a close, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Some of you will be aware of how difficult it is to do this. Some of you spend your nights going to bed. I do it as well. And thinking, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I do this? But there's a moment today where God is saying, I want to change you from a thermometer into a thermostat. Not literally, obviously, because that would be weird spiritually 
If you want to be someone who has more influence for the kingdom in the places where he has put you, if you want to be someone who has opportunities to live out your faith and talk about your faith with your family and your work, wherever you are, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to give you a measure of his Holy Spirit for this week. But I want you to respond. I want you to stand. I want you to make a visible statement and say, I I I want that. And nothing weird is going to happen. All you're doing is, is taking that first step. So let's close our eyes. Holy Spirit, come. And if you want to be someone who has more impact and more influence where you are for God and for his kingdom, I invite you very simply to stand. Keep your eyes closed. You don't have to do this, but maybe if you want, put your hands out in front if you like you're ready to receive a gift. Father, you are the God who loves to give good gifts to your children. And you promise your spirit to to anyone who asks. Holy Spirit, come and and fill your people now. You know the circumstances they're stepping into this week. You know the places where they feel they have failed you in the past. You know the desires of their heart to serve you. Come and fill them now. Put your words in their mouth so that when the conversation turns into a, a, a dark and difficult tone, Give them the words to to season it with the salt of your grace. Give them the courage to, to speak out for you. Soften their hearts that they may love radically and compassionately and gently. May they feel your heartbeat for the people around them. And Lord, this week, may you take these people and use them to advance your kingdom in every place that you plant them. We claim that promise that every place we put our foot, you will give us. In Jesus' name.